0: You're listening to Alternative Thinking, Both Sides of the Coin, a production of the Canadian Association of Alternative Strategies and Assets, where we explore today's markets and alternative investments from two distinct perspectives. Today we speak with a sign of Bay Street with a string of firsts, from gold and platinum certificates to the world's only prospectus-offered cryptocurrency fund, as well as an entrepreneur who has developed a platform to get investment products into the hands of investors directly and via the broker-dealer network.
1: James Buran is the president and co-founder of CASA. All opinions expressed during the show by James and our show guests remain their own and should be used for informational and educational purposes only. Find out more about CASA at casa.ca.
0: Well, today on Alternative Thinking, we're going to be speaking with Fred Pye of 3iQ Corp and Peter Paul Van Hoken with DealSquare. Uh, Let's start with self-introductions. I'll start with you, Fred.
1: Uh, Thank you, James. Uh, Yeah, my name's Fred Pye, and I guess I've been in the industry for what feels like almost forever, Uh, probably coming up on some 40 years now. Um, (laughs) And I I think I'm one of the oldest guys in crypto. I'm not young like Peter Paul, but, uh, you know, I think... uh, uh, you know, the project that IQ has been working on to get the Bitcoin fund listed and which we accomplished by getting it listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange mm-hmm. um, has, 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 has been quite a challenge. But if you go back 35 years, James, in 1983 to 1986, I was doing the same thing, but listing gold, silver, and platinum on the Montreal Stock Exchange. So, we were the first ones to do that, so kind of fast forward my entire career. I'm just doing the same thing, but with digital gold instead of gold.
0: Wow, that's great. Um, yeah, you've done you done quite a few first, but uh, for this latest one, can you maybe tell us about the process of um, going through the uh, the Ontario Securities Commission? Um, uh, they had some some was it a trial or or, or a process that you went through with uh, with public hearings and to finally get this uh, to fruition? I think it came out when October 30th.
1: Yeah, so for, first of all, it was uh, you know I've, I've had a few challenges with the regulators and again,' it's, it's a challenge with the regulator means that you're working with the regulators to get it right. and so we know what all the processes are. Um, and it was the same thing when we tried to list gold on the Montreal Stock Exchange. They said, well, you know it has non-traditional custodians, uh, you know it's volatile, it's speculative mm-hmm. and gold is used for criminal purposes. So why would we list gold? Well, 35 years later, gold is a, a staple in everybody's you know, portfolios. So we did the mm-hmm. same. Um, I, I also had to uh, uh, work with regulators to have the first long, short mutual fund in Canada uh, when I previously right, yeah. called Argentum. So uh, you were never allowed to short mutual uh, short stocks and mutual funds until uh, we won that one. So when this one came around, you know, we knew that we would apply for it. And uh, we actually thought, That it was going to get through really quite quickly back in 2016. Um, We had good support from a guy by the name of John Mountain and uh, he was really going to work with us to Mm -hmm. push this through and get it all done you know and unfortunately he passed away halfway through the process. But when the new group came in they hadn't been intimately involved and so uh, they asked a lot of very tough questions and very hard questions which we believed we had answered correctly. So what happens is when they issue a decision, which is a firm decision not to approve the product, then we're allowed to challenge the regulators. And we're saying, you know what, we'd like to challenge you on the reasons that you rejected our fund. And they rejected our fund because they said, well, you know, uh, custodians aren't regulated. Uh, uh, B, uh, a Bitcoin fund couldn't get properly audited. Uh, see the Bitcoin price was manipulated, uh, and it wasn't. Their final one was it wasn't in the public interest uh, to do that. So when they they kind of lay out the steps of why they're challenging us, we're allowed to uh, challenge them and say, okay, we'll go to a public hearing where they have to defend it.
0: Well, that puts a shoe on the other foot, yeah. Because I, I went to some of that and it was it was interesting. It's, it's like you said, there was there was many ways that. You know, there's Bitcoin is used for criminal purposes, which isn't entirely true. And then there's there's uh, the depth of market, the the trading inefficiencies, but uh, those things are are salient with many many types of types of assets. And then you had another uh, innovation where three IQ, of course, is a three, so it comes up pretty early in the in the you know, alphabetical listings. But your argentum had the at sign, so it was like the very first thing that was ever printed, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> it was. <laughs> And, and, and I've just done that just for Globe Fund. That's all. That's why I need my companies with numbers or symbols. <laughs>
0: yeah. And how about you, Peter Paul? What have you been doing the last few years?
2: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, James. Well, I haven't spent quite 40 years uh, in the industry, but it feels actually like, an, uh, uh, like, like a very long time too. I, I started, uh, uh, well, I worked for about eight, nine years in, in banking, finance in, uh, in mm-hmm. Europe. And uh, moved to uh, relocate to Canada in 2010. Uh, kind of you know, I wanted to move on, like finance, investing, but more uh, eager to sort of uh, move down the more the entrepreneurial path. And uh, yeah. so I started working with, with small companies, uh, private companies, and helping to get ready raise capital. And that so it was the time that I experienced how. How it's well, how it's challenging for private companies in general to to raise capital and get connected with the investor community, uh, and secondly, also how we're not leveraging technology to really bring those two together. You know, we're very advanced, of course, in the public markets and with exchanges, etc. But you know, in the private uh, private markets, it's it's often uh, archaic. It's using uh, you know mm-hmm. traditional sources of communication, etc. So that's uh, that's where the whole, my journey basically started with. Um, with building introducing technology and basically building a platform that that connects those two so it started with, uh, with a platform that's, that is today uh, well Canada's leading online private markets platform FrontFunder. Um, so mm-hmm. that connects companies directly with, uh, with 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 investors any investors uh, really so accredited non-accredited it's really about opening it up and making private private markets investment opportunities available to the general public. Um, Fred alluded to you know regulators and uh, and, and you know uh, those kind of challenges I certainly had uh, <clears throat> my f- let's say fair share too in terms of pulling this all together right because that was uh, this was around 2015 when uh, when online investing it was really in everybody was kind of in the dark at that time uh, Mm. including the regulators like should we allow that and how do we regulate it etc anyway um, fast forward we launched that platform in the course of 2015 and then we recognized basically how private placements are also a challenge for uh for investment dealers and advisors and how for uh dealers and advisors it's also challenging to find these placements to uh, private placements to exchange information around these private placements and to transact and that's basically where uh where the journey continued I would say with DealSquare which uh which we give an online platform for investment dealers and, and and advisors focused on private placements so what what DealSquare does is is uh uh, supporting the entire process from finding private placements to sharing information to transacting, i.e., completing subscription agreements, uh, order book management, as well as closing. So that enables us with DealSquare to bring private securities on book uh, in the same way as uh, as, uh, as 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 uh, uh, public securities. So that's what we build up. So it's really, my, my background is really uh, private markets and um, um, innovating the private markets and, and, and fully leveraging technology in doing that.
0: Wow. Like I remember my um, when I was at uh, Dominion, you know, we had syndicated deals come through and, uh, you know, of course those are public markets and they get listed on a big exchange and, and it was a whole big uh, system. But you had to have well in our case like hundreds of millions or at least tens of millions then there were some smaller ones say on the what now is the venture exchange i guess it's still around the tsx and uh but those are maybe a few million but um and i guess right about the time you were you were coming out there was this there was a whole to do about crowdfunding is yours more like a crowdfunding platform or is it some something different
2: yeah so so on the so front funder uh which is essentially the easiest uh, in this discussion to separate it to is, is front funders, the B2C uh, platform connecting uh, companies doing private placements. So typically private companies, but but could also be public companies doing private placements, mm-hmm. connect, connecting them with the end investor. So it's really a B2C platform. Now, front funder indeed operates. And this is where we had to do a sort of the lots of the. Let's say pioneering uh, with their, uh, within the regulatory environment as well is, is FrontFunder operates essentially as an online uh, exempt market dealer, and that enables FrontFunder to use essentially all available prospectus exemptions, including indeed crowdfunding uh, crowdfunding rules. So FrontFunder can use accredited investor exemption, uh, offering memorandum. Um, it can use uh, uh, the crowdfunding rules, uh, family mm. friends and it can stack them so it helps indeed to essentially maximize investor outreach for uh, for, for companies to, to raise from essentially from the, from the public yeah so it's, it''s it's using the same principles as crowdfunding you you, you know companies can list online they typically have a video business overview meet the team uh, you know what are their plans etc information around their capital raise um, and then it' it's essentially supports the entire investment process uh, uh, online through the front funder platform. So you could through you could literally uh, even if you're a first time investor, you can go on front funder, sign up and complete an investment in as little as, you know, twelve minutes and you're fully on including, okay, you know, know your client, uh, suitability requirements, everything we need to do as a basically as a registered dealer.
0: Wow. Sounds like a robo for uh, for privates. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And how many one more question, maybe and we'll get back to uh, how you guys got together. So how many investors do you typically find take advantage of these private offerings? Is it like ten or hundred thousand, or, or does it does it look more like a a public offering where there's many, many, many investors?
2: It yeah, so it it depends. Uh, you know, we've done on the, on the front of the platform, we've done forty three uh, deals to date, and um, <clears throat> some of them are also now. Co-listed, co-listed on DealSquare, where we basically opened up to investment dealers and advisors. Right now, on the DealSquare side, we launched DealSquare in, uh, in the first version of, in, in October, so it's still fairly uh, uh, early days. We have currently have about uh, 11 uh, listings on DealSquare. Uh-huh. Um, so, on in answer to your question, you know, we have had uh, capital raises on FrontFunder, where, for example, a company raises a million dollars uh, from. Uh, uh, from uh, from around 900 investors, so so really big numbers. Huh. Also, yeah, and that includes accredited non-accredited investors. Minimum investment could be as low as you know 500 dollars or 250 dollars. But We've also done deals where uh, where it's for example where it's uh, 25 investors or 30 investors, and where it's uh, maybe a term sheet so accredited investors only. So it's really uh, it's it's a quite a wide range. But the whole idea is is that you know that, that essentially with with front funder and deal square that we provide uh private companies uh better access to capital and in fact in fact you know make their investment opportunity available to, to the wider investor community with the emphasis on wider so both accredited and non-accredited investors
0: cool and then um either of you can answer this i guess uh, who how did you guys get together like with uh fred's fund and and uh fund funder and deal makers or deal uh with Fund Funder and Deal Square's uh, platform, how um, how did you guys get together, and, and what's what's the process for someone buying a, uh, that fund specifically?
1: Yeah, I no, um, I met Peter Paul probably three three and a half years ago. Uh, you know, in the kind of the digital asset space, and we were all working with uh, you know different organizations to forward our forward our interests. Three um, IQ owns an exempt market dealer ourselves, and we did have a, our fund out on a platform. Um, when I took a look at front funder uh, I kind of realized that I said wow this is a very efficient you know way for us to to take a look at different you know raising capital and and in fact we did put 3 uh, IQ uh, we did raise a million dollars of private equity in our in our company through uh, uh, front funder uh, last month and uh, uh, You know, we're we're looking at getting our uh, our global crypto asset fund, which is a a multi crypto asset fund listed on on uh, on on their platforms, which would be both front funder and part of, uh, uh, you know, deal square, you know, investment funds are usually bought through investment advisors and uh, you can either use deal square and which is part of the, the Neo connect network and uh you know definitely open up your 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 products to a much broader audience and i think uh, um peter paul understands that er- that area very very well and it was very clear for me who kind of stumbled around trying to figure out how do i do that digital part of subscriptions and uh they had it all figured out so no point in reinventing the wheel i'd rather yeah work with them so uh yeah i don't know uh, peter paul uh, was your experience working with us uh, painful, or was it uh, pleasurable?
2: <laughs> no, no, it's been no. I mean, as uh, you know, what, what Fred said, it's no. It's been obviously been pleasure to work with Fred, and uh, you know, and having uh, and, and listing three IQ on the platform. You know, the, the thing is, what what Fred's, uh pulled off with with three IQ and uh, you know and the crypto f- uh, funds is really. Uh, uh, novelty in in that you know enabling investors to invest in uh in in, in crypto uh, by you know investing in the fund uh, that is also eligible for you know registered plans like you know rsp tfsa i mean that that is uh, you know revolutionary so having having that having the option to invest in crypto while not not having to purchase the actual underlying uh crypto itself uh that is that is uh, that's very attractive and and you know uh opening the opening that up for the wider investor community obviously makes makes a lot of sense so there is there's a great fit. If we see uh, you know anything that's really uh, kind of uh, resonates with the wider investor uh, audience um, and uh, and is easy to understand uh that is it typically does does well on, uh, on, on 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 front fund and as he mentioned uh, we look forward to um, to bring on the um, the crypto crypto asset fund on uh, on on both uh, Front funder and Deal Square, very excited about that.
1: How
0: about you, Fred? How do you explain um, really what Bitcoin is to uh, to investors? It's, it seems like it's it's new, but it's uh, and it's based on just you know cryptocurrency and there's hashing and there's all this other kind of stuff. Um, but how, to, how do you break, bring that down to like the, uh, the investor level, the, the retail investor level, or even just the human level?
1: Well, you know, I've been explaining Bitcoin to Canadians for five years now, and uh, I've got it down to as simple <laughs> as it can be. And, and you know, it's uh, apart from the, the, the traditional where I would say, oh, you take a hundred dollar bill, separate the serial number from the paper. Where's the hundred dollars? Well, it's in the serial number. Now, if you could instantaneously, securely and virtually for free, send that around the world, um, you know, it's basically considered digital currency. Uh, But Bitcoin, uh, although you can do that, does make it a currency. But Bitcoin is the secure value transfer of ownership, value, title or money. And it's no different than a regular internet protocol. So let's say uh, the internet started off with, you know, uh, uh, TCP, IP, and then we had, H- uh, you know, SMTP, which is email. Then we had voice over internet protocol. Then we had text messaging. Then we had live streaming. Well, secure mm-hmm. transfer protocol is nothing more than the next level of the internet protocols. So how people don't know that it's just a, a you know, a protocol uh you know, when they say it's worth nothing, I'm going, well, it's kind of like saying if you own email, it was worth nothing. Or if you own live streaming, it's worth nothing. Well, the secure value transfer protocol is also known as the Bitcoin blockchain. And I think that that's really, um, you know, critical and key. Once people realize that you're actually buying the internet protocol, uh, because to put a secure transaction on the internet, you need to pay in Bitcoin. Uh-huh. So, uh, so once people understand that it's here to stay, it's here forever, and the demand of putting secured transactions on the internet is going to skyrocket in our lifetime, uh, you know, I think you know, Bitcoin offers uh, an, an extraordinarily good, good opportunity. So I look at it as more as a technology investment than I do as a cryptocurrency. Huh. Cryptocurrencies are going to be digital Canadian dollars, or digital U.S. dollars, or digital Japanese yen, or digital euros. And I guess you know, we also own uh, QCAD, which is the digital Canadian dollar that's already out there. You can already move Canadian dollars around digitally without going through PayPal or, or Interact or, or any of those other methods.
0: Right. So, what's the, and I think you may have, I may have asked you this earlier in another conversation, but like, what's the long term risk to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general? Like, what's the kind of like the, the killer app that could replace it or, or, not allow it to flourish, as as some people might think.
1: Well, yeah, that's, I mean, in our prospectus is we've written out hundreds of (laughs) risks of Bitcoin, Um, but, uh, you know, apart from, you know, the entire world going into collapse because of, you know, a natural disaster or something, and the only way to shut Bitcoin down is to shut down the internet, and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, as I said, I think it's here to stay. Does it mean what's it worth? Well, we don't know, but it, because of its supply structure, uh, in may, we go through something called a having where the growth rate of Bitcoin is 2% per year where, well, the gold growth rate of gold over the last hundred years has been about a 4% rate. So Bitcoin is going to be a more scarce asset than gold is. And, uh, you know, there's $10 trillion of gold in the world right now. And there's $100 mm-hmm. million dollars of Bitcoin. So uh, we think we think Bitcoin has a shot of being a store of value.
0: Cool. Yeah, and it's just so that that's kind of the start, too. It seems like it's been around for a while. I guess it has been around for about 10 years, the idea. Um, but uh, it's starting to actually make its way into people's people's lives a bit more. Um, how about for, for Peter Paul, like, for your platform you said you had like 43 deals on um front funder and 11 i guess would you get graduated say to, to deal square where it's at the dealers um are those like how early are those Are they like seed round pre-seed or you know a round type of uh, venture deals or is it some is it or is it companies that are a bit more uh, a bit more established
2: yeah so it's it's uh Certainly, in the early days of front funder, where it was very much about uh, proving the concept uh, and, and sort of demonstrating that, that that companies can actually raise from the you know wider investor audience, uh, both the credit and non-credit investor, we start started really with the smaller deals, like you know, two hundred and fifty k, half a million. Typically, indeed, earlier earlier stage corporates, private companies. Um, uh, but but you know, certainly in the last let's say 24, 24 months. Uh, we were definitely kind of, you know, um, uh, say expanding in the private markets, and uh, and 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 also, you know, including companies that are definitely not early stage, you know, established private companies that went through several rounds and are you know, looking for expansion, capital, um, you know, uh, international expansion, for example. So we see companies say, hey, you know, we've already got traction, we've got X number of customers, and, you know, and our products has been through several, let's say, advancements. Um, so they can they can share their success stories, which, of course, excites investors that then... Um, you know uh, uh, maybe institute to jump in so but we also see companies that as i mentioned more established uh, looking for for growth and expansion capital have a completely different risk profile in terms of being overly de-risking the, their project along the way uh and and raising from uh, uh you know raising from, from from the public and those could be raises from you know uh, um three five million ten million there are also deals where we are where a front funder and deals, for, you know, can be an additional channel, right? So not everything needs to be raised through through through, uh, through those platforms. It's basically a complementary channel to open up to the wider investor community. And we're also doing that because, of course, the whole point is that, you know, the private markets is uh, is where a lot of the action is these days. Uh, you know, it's, it's growing uh, twice as fast, has been grown twice as fast as, uh, as the as the public markets and uh, wow. twice as much was actually raised in the public in the private markets compared to the public markets right so a lot of people don't realize that but and that includes of course larger corporates that raised through private placements i.e in the private markets but it's becoming a really an attractive and important asset class if you like for the wider investor community you know the private markets and that's also the reason why why we're why we're you know why we're having both companies that are earlier stage to companies that are further established or even companies you know raising debt or partnership units etc. So it it offers investors the opportunity to to diversify not only into the private markets uh, as uh-huh. opposed to the public markets but also within the private markets you know that they can diversify by investing in you know earlier stage companies obviously higher risk but potentially higher returns. Uh, as well as in later stage private companies that uh, that have a you know a, a lower risk and where they can for example also invest in debt uh, products as well.
0: Wow, I'm just thinking back again to my uh, days at Dominion Securities there because you know the some of the big 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 shooters they would ha- they would have some private stuff in their portfolios and you didn't really hear about it because there's really no access and now it seems like a lot of people can can get access to this uh, 25 years later um so wh- where do you think this is going especially with uh you know the the coronavirus stuff going through the through the economy but also through how people are I- interacting like you know we're in home isolation at least until july and maybe longer i mean harvard thinks 2022. um how how does that change if anything to your platform and how access to these private deals might uh, might come about Because I guess you don't really do road shows, do you? Like you don't have to get in front of anybody to to uh, to talk to them about these opportunities, right?
2: No, not necessarily. I mean, typically, and this is a really interesting question, James, because the interesting thing is that to to your point, you know, currently raising capital and investing in companies. There, there's, there, you know, there's currently no, no roadshows, no investor meetings. It has to be, it has to be done online, right? And so, so in a way, mm-hmm. you know, with frontfunder and Deal square that's basically all about uh, transacting online from start to finish, right? Is, is this is kind of an interesting time where we also believe that uh, that we can be part of the solution in the short term because uh, because we can continue basically operate and help companies to, to. To you know, list their capital raise, and on the other side, to continue to you know attract investors, and they don't need to right. meet each other; they can meet virtually. And and you're right. I mean, in the sort of pre-COVID, you know, companies would typically su- support their capital raise on front from the deal scroll, so with roadshows and you know investor meetings, uh, those are currently uh, uh, you know not not on the card now. To your question, kind of where it moves in the future, and I think this pandemic in a way may. Ac- uh, accelerate the, uh, the 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 experience or investors getting familiar with investing online as well as companies raising online. So I think it may well have a sort of, an, you know, uh, it will certainly have, I'm pretty confident will have a, a lasting effect in terms of the the private markets moving online and and, and perhaps accelerate that process.
0: Yeah, I know we made the change about a month ago and we've had, I think we have like two uh, maybe maybe we'll get up to three webinars a week and a hundred, probably of these podcasts um, in Q2. I mean, it's been it's it's actually a lot easier to get the output out. You guys still have to have it relevant and such. Um, and we're doing ones on like selling into self social distancing. Where how do you do due diligence? Like a lot of investors have said they're they're not really looking at new stuff for the next little while, just because maybe it'll end. But let's say I'm not sure if it will. Um, but how about the uh, on the on the uh, cryptocurrency side? How have they fared, Fred, throughout the uh, this. I, I don't know if if you you watch you obviously watch the cryptocurrencies but and the gold and foreign exchange and all these other things I mean the, the stocks we see every day but how have uh, how have they been doing throughout this kind of COVID time?
1: Yeah, well, they you know they got hit. Like uh, everything else, like when the market started to mm. to to collapse. Oh, well, they are liquid, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, well, all assets, you know, uh, get sold off, and and Bitcoin's probably the most liquid asset around the world. It trades twenty four hours a day, and uh, you know, right. there's sig- significant amount of Bitcoin held in China, which is where. Uh, a lot of the original problems were. So uh, Bitcoin kind of went from 10,000 then fell to 4,000 and then stabilized hit about seven. But you know what you like to hear from everybody? It's like, you know, everybody owning the stock market today is saying, wow, if it gets back to where it was, I'm going to sell. Or if it gets back to where it was when it was at the bottom, I'm going to buy. Hence, hence it stays in the middle. So yeah, everybody wants to buy Bitcoin at 4,000. Everybody wants to sell it at 10. Well, you know, better off trading it in between the seven and eight range, <laughs> than, you know, than uh, than anything uh-huh. else. So, but again, all of these are are, are long-term holds. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the new technologies are, are still going to be there after all of this goes away. So um, it's going to be the legacy companies that are going to have some trouble to, you know, get employment back. But investment advisors in Canada during the COVID problem were... Are, you know, we're more concerned about, uh, you know, the health and well-being of themselves and their families and their clients than they were about, you know, a, a creative new asset class um, and or what technology yeah. stocks they should be mm-hmm. buying. So all of this will play out, and I think it's going to be good. So, so all of the
0: different cryptocurrencies out there, obviously the fund you have with uh, with uh, Funder is a Bitcoin fund, just strictly Bitcoin. Then you have the multi- multi-crypto, cryptocurrency, I think it's Bitcoin, like coin, Ethereum. Like, what's, what, is there like a hierarchy there or, or is there something where investors look at that and say, Oh, this is, this is one that's, I don't know, I do want to say better, but uh, uh, well, how, how do you, how do you look at those and how do you rate say the quality of it? Uh, you don't have to give any pronunciations of or pronouncements <laughs> of which ones you like better, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah it's, 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 it's all pretty simple. Obviously, you know, five years ago when people were getting involved in this and all these alt chains or alt blockchains or alternative yeah. cryptos got invented, right? So, and, and it started off with Bitcoin and then the Toronto invented, uh, you know, Ethereum blockchain that has the native token, token oh, yeah. called Ether. Yeah. And then there were a lot of others. Um, Ether really staked their their claim to fame in, in, in smart contracts and they've been going through a, a two year upgrade, which has taken some of the shine off of Ethereum. But then all of these other blockchains have to really define their purpose. And whether again, it's a blockchain for trading oil and gas, or whether it's a blockchain for, you know, what I consider to the digital commodities of bandwidth or computing power. These are all single kind of use, you know, blockchains or tokens that people can use. But, you know, the argument used to be with Bitcoin, well, it can't scale and it's convoluted or complicated to put uh, Mm -hmm. smart contracts on the Bitcoin blockchain. But all of a sudden, in the last three years, you've got the lightning network that makes Bitcoin virtually, you know, uh, uh, unlimitedly scalable. And uh, they've got got the liquid network, which is an easy way to embed uh, smart contracts onto the Bitcoin blockchain. So... Um, Bitcoin is going to be significantly well ahead of uh, of the others, and again, it will take its place as a store of wealth someday. Um, but there's going to be many many use cases of many many blockchains going forward. But you know, uh, back in this, in the eighties, I said that platinum would overtake gold as the store of wealth, mm-hmm. and uh, because black you know platinum was more scarce, it was mined in more more countries, it was more geographically diverse. And it had more industrial uses, so I said, "Well, platinum."
0: Yeah, the like catalytic converters, yeah, uh,
1: should overtake uh, gold. Um, what I forgot to what I forgot at the time was there was already five trillion dollars of gold inside, you know, central banks and sovereign wealth funds around the world. So to displace gold would have been impossible because you wouldn't have been able to find mm. that much platinum to be able to be a store of wealth. So my view is, once you know, Bitcoin is in the trillions of dollars it's going to be significantly ahead of anybody else. And, and I think we're going to, we'll, we'll see that.
0: Wow. Yeah. You have quite the, quite the long-term perspective. I love it. Um, so what do you see uh, Peter Paul on your platform? or Are there more cryptocurrency type things coming out or what's, what's kind of the, the flavors that you've seen lately?
2: Yeah. So, so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, crypto is definitely uh, uh of interest to our let's say investor audience on 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 frontfunder, uh, uh, it, as as it is as it is growing fast and it's uh, it's 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 kind of the the next uh, generation in a way we have you know we have investors that are you know our typical investors between anywhere between you know n twenties thirties to to let's say up to forty five in that bracket it's mm-hmm. kind of our, our so those are investors that are looking for. For investment opportunities that excites them, that they uh, understand and that they could believe, uh, they believe could do, could do well, right? So, so crypto, uh, you know, there's obviously a wide audience that like to get exposure to that and invest in that. Uh, Other examples are, you know, uh, companies, uh, early stage companies in technology companies with a new app that resolve, uh, you know, uh, a a problem, right? So, so I, uh, uh, what what we see is investment opportunities of uh, uh companies that have an exciting new uh, product or service or solution uh that, uh that that these investors uh believe in and they think these companies can do can do well it's it's uh it's you know there are companies that are that turn out very successful uh certainly in the you know in the online space is where they build a community and we are basically saying look the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, itself they can become you know owners shareholders in these companies you know rather than only when that company goes public and you could argue that most of the sort of let's say hockey stick growth already these past right so so typically easier to understand uh a product uh, b2c uh, technology crypto uh, impact investing those are kind of other categories that typically resonate well um and 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 where we see an uptake significant uptake by 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 investors and we basically uh open up those those kind of investments investment opportunities for for investors
0: yeah i guess they don't have to wait for an ipo either they can have a strategic investor come in and and take take out the company or take it well private to private and they can still take it uh, they can still take advantage of that kind of opportunity versus having to wait for an ipo which may not happen, like it just may just stay private forever. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah that's actually a good point. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you could, you know, typically say, well, if the company goes public, finally the public, that, that may have been the same, maybe the same people that actually made that company so successful, right, by be, becoming a customer. So they can finally, they can finally invest through an IPO. But what to your point, what if that does not happen and the company is taken out along the way by a larger company? So yeah, it could indeed be an, an investment opportunity uh, to invest in companies that you believe may well become of interest to uh, to acquirers, and then uh, you know uh, without an IPO or being acquired and that's uh, so it, it is indeed it's an investment it is an opportunity to get exposure to those kind of private markets given again as we see how important private markets are becoming and how fast they're growing uh, I see that trend only uh, you know continue and, and and actually you know increase that's awesome
0: and maybe we'll stay with you and then we'll go to Fred as well. But what, what's your advice to investors as a, there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, maybe, I don't know if there's more uncertainty with, with private market, uh, companies or, or or less, but uh, what what would be your advice to an investor listening um, and kind of looking around saying, boy, this last month or so has been pretty hairy. What, uh, w- what can we expect going forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh... I, I can best answer that from a sort of, you know, a, a, again, from a private markets perspective. Uh, and I, I would say to that, that, uh, you know, that uh, uh, the public markets, we see what's happening there. There's uh, action and a lot of action and a positive and negative uh, way. Um, but, but actually, I would say there, there there's a lot of action. The action is really in the private markets right now. Given uh, you know, uh, as we discussed, how it's, how it's how it's growing and and to make it available to wider investors, I believe that that uh, also in these uncertain uncertain times and uh, and and certainly if you're looking at longer term investments because that's often a point uh, around private markets, like hey, how about liquidity and I can't you know I can't sell. But if you if you if you uh, read uh, you know several reports and BlackRock recently we were. Published a report. We said, well, if you really look at what investors need, to, what, what what cash or funds they need to have available to liquidate, it's actually limited, right? So, so which would which would it's kind of you know an, an invest investments in private companies of around perhaps let's say ten percent. Is not unrealistic, neither unwise, right? To do it's it's uh, it's it's uh, that, that that gives you sort of exposure to to private markets opportunities while also balancing your risk and return. So my advice would basically be, obviously, you know, uh, certainly in these 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 times. Uh, you know, inform yourself uh, properly. Uh, look at uh, longer-term investment opportunities. We know that this, this is this is something temporary, and of course, we will have sort of repercussions uh, on the on the on the mid to long term. But there are also economies now. So, well, given the nature of this, let's say, disruption, we also may see recovery fairly quickly. So, I would say, you know, invest for the for for the long term. And if if you are looking at long-term investments, then then uh, inform yourself and explore the investment opportunity you you today have in the private markets.
0: Cool. And then Fred, uh, are you still in love with Bitcoin?
1: I am, will be for probably the rest of my days. So so, uh, I'm all in. I'm all in, James. I'm all in. I love it.
0: Well, thank you both. Uh, Thanks, Fred, Peter, Paul, for your time today. And uh, we look forward to having you guys on another podcast uh, sometime again soon.
2: Um, Yeah, thanks again.
1: Thank you. Thanks, James. Thanks,
2: James.